Hi and welcome everyone to the Creative Cast. My name is Lucas Homan, and this week we are recording our last episode of the year. But guys, I'm bringing you a little surprise today since we will be touching on a topic that we haven't covered on the show uh, so far. We will be talking about relationships and what's the best way for you to find a suitable and healthy partner. And in order to do this, I have a dating coach with us tonight. She has over 12 years of experience in this field. She is tuning in all the way from Santa Barbara, California. We have uh, Karian Long. Welcome. Thank you. So happy to be here. Great. Um, it's, um, it's, it's a blast having you here since this is a topic that I'm personally very interested in. Um, and um, very curious to learn a lot myself actually today. Great. <laughs> uh, we normally start off having uh, the guests introducing themselves, herself, and uh, you know, getting a little bit of your background in and how you ended up um, doing, you know, coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So as you mentioned, um, I, you didn't mention this part, but I have been a therapist for 12 years. I still am a therapist in addition to being a coach. Mm -hmm. And, um, I started studying, I got a master's in counseling psychology with an emphasis in marriage and family therapy. So I did a lot of work with, um, families and couples early on in my career as part of my training. And one thing I noticed in doing that work is that uh, it was really difficult to <clears throat> help couples resolve relationship problems when they had been going on for a really long time, when they were already really entrenched, it was hard to find traction and, mm -hmm. and make changes. So I've always been interested in early intervention and kind of all areas of psychology that I've been, that I've explored. And the early intervention version of relationships is dating. So uh -huh. um, I had the opportunity to start working with some clients in therapy who were having trouble navigating their lives in this area, kind of in a particularly unique situation. And the first couple of people who I, uh, who I worked with on this ended up going on to have really successful relationships, get engaged on the path to getting married on the path to having children together. Um, so I thought, Hmm, maybe I have something here. <laughs> maybe I can help more people with this. And okay. because it's not something that people uh, commonly come to therapy specifically for, I decided mm -hmm. I want to advertise this and, and put this out to the world as a specific service. So people know that they can come to me specifically for this expertise. Mm -hmm. And I've had a lot of fun doing it ever since I got started. <laughs> All right. So you kind of mm, tried to make that your niche where you can kind of extend your, your business in that sense. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And what really drove you into going into that specific direction? I think having the experience of seeing how confused people were about relationships when I would first start working with them and mm -hmm. then seeing the clarity that they would come to based on our work together and feeling like, I have so much information about all of this in my brain, both from my studies and from my personal life experience. Mm -hmm. um, and it made me realize that there was something kind of unique or special, I guess you could call it genius zone about um, 
this area of knowledge for me. And I knew that I could help more people with it. And, and also because I really uh, believe in the power of relationships and Mm -hmm. the impact that they have on the quality of our lives. So it's something that I feel passionately about and, uh, and love to help other people with. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, basically it's one, you feel like you're very good at doing this and two, it's a very like crucial point or aspect to exactly focus on since yes. it might be um, the origin of or the cause of so many other uh, problems we might suffer from. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. And okay. Um, you, how long you've been a dating coach then? I started offering dating coach as a specific separate service in February of 2020. So almost two years now. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just getting that uh, right in my mind. Mm-hmm. And how has been uh, the start for you of, of that? Of starting to offer dating coaching. Mm-hmm. So it was very interesting because I started in February of 2020 and mm-hmm. then in March of 2020. Okay. I see where you're going. People, <laughs> people were not really dating so much. They were mostly staying in their homes. Mm-hmm. So um, that was very challenging. I ended up mostly doing therapy, especially for the first half of that year um, because it was hard to get dating coaching clients. But then um, once I started getting some clients, I started getting some momentum. Mm-hmm. And um, I think then starting in about like early spring of this year, it kind of just exploded and took off and went from like a trickle to consistent clients coming my way. I have oh, a waiting list now. Nice. I'm not even able to see all the people that want to work with me. So <laughs> it's a really good I problem see. to have. Um, and it's brought a lot of like excitement and energy to my work that there's, there's so much interest in working with me. That feels really good. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, congratulations. I mean, thank you. <laughs> that is kind of that spot that every, in a, well, uh, I may call it entrepreneur. Um, mm. you know, tries to achieve, right? To to get mm-hmm. to that point where it starts to grow exponentially, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. good for you on that one. Mm. May I ask, or do you know why that happened? I do know why that happened. All right. <laughs> I, at least I have a, a theory. Um, <clears throat> one thing is that most people find me through Instagram and mm-hmm. TikTok. And because of reels and the way that Instagram was promoting reels and is still promoting reels, um, in the last year, mm-hmm. I went from having like 200 something followers in, I think it was March of this year. And now I have 19,000 followers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this huge growth in exposure and yeah. people's interest in my work. And I think along with that came social proof and people trusting me. I also yeah. got some really great testimonials from my clients who worked with me in the last year and a half. Um, so I think it was both just the consistency of effort over time. Mm-hmm. And also I got lucky with, you know, getting on TikTok relatively early as mm-hmm. a dating coach, um, doing tons of video content on Instagram that Instagram was really favorable towards and it kind of mm. all came together. Yeah, you did. I mean, it worked for me too, right? I mean, 
that's how I, I found out about you. You know, um, I just happened to see a reel of yours like, oh, okay, this looks nice. interesting. And um, I fall for it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> I totally blame you. Um, <laughs> no, but um, all right. So there we got a little bit of, um, you know, an overview on on what you do and how you started, how it's going right now, how it evolved in that sense. Let's dive a little bit deeper into how you actually um, work, what's your methodology, and um, yeah, let's break down with that. So sure. would you say, uh, what is, well, first of all, what do you offer people? Mm -hmm. So my main offer right now will probably change in the future, but I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching packages. So mm -hmm. I work with people on a month to month or four week to four week basis, because some people are able to achieve their goal with me in four weeks. Some people need eight weeks. Some people even stay with me for 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. So rather than having a really prescriptive program of like, this is exactly what I do. It it goes for exactly this long. I'm kind of taking some from the therapy model, which is like, people are different. People need different things. Mm. Um, and while on the business end, it may not be the most savvy thing to do because it makes my job a little bit harder. I really like it to, I really like to do it that way. I like to be mm. able to customize my one-on-one -on -one coaching to what it is that the person needs and kind of how long they need to accomplish mm. their goal. Okay, you're saying business-wise, it's maybe not like the most profitable way. In in what sense? Like instead of offering it to more at the same time, or um, there, that's one thing. The other thing would be having a a very kind of cookie cutter thing that's just always repeated over and over again. Versus what I'm doing is closer to therapy in that it's more customized, and I work with people on a variety of different things. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if I were to really narrow it down, you know, one of the main things that I offer is helping people who have an anxious attachment style in relationships start to feel more calm and secure in relationships that they don't always have to be worried that the mm -hmm. person's going to leave them or that they're going to break up. Um, so I could, I could niche down just to that and just offer that. And that would be more of a, okay, this is what I know. I help everybody with, with anxious attachment. And I'm actually working toward doing a course that's more oriented toward that. Mm -hmm. um, but rather than doing that, I also see people who are, I see people who are in relationships. I see people who are just in the dating portion of things. So I'm always tailoring what I'm doing with each client to what their actual problem is. Mm -hmm. So that's the main difference I think is like having something that's just solving one problem for one type of ideal client, repeating that over and over and over again versus what I'm doing, which is more challenging as far as customizing what the need is for each individual person. Mm -hmm. No, but I reckon having, you know, your, uh, what, what you teach and how you teach it to everyone, um, in a very tailored manner, mm -hmm. um, for sure is more, you know, it's better for the client for sure. I right. think so. I, I like <laughs> it. it. It's, it's hard for me to break out of that because I've been doing that for 12 years as okay. a therapist. So I'm trying to train my brain that I can get a little bit more generalized mm -hmm. and still help people. But this is my, This is my journey along yeah. that process. Um, totally agree. I mean, I can see the other way um, of doing it 
in other kinds of industries, sure. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes to people, personality, mentality, and, you know, how to deal with, you know, potential, um, well, all kinds of relationships, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's probably the only way, only good way to do it. Like the other one probably, probably wouldn't work. Like I feel like mm -hmm. it would be. No. It's interesting. I, I, I've really had to challenge myself on that belief because I kind of believe the same. And one of the great things that's come out of doing my work on Instagram and TikTok is mm -hmm. that I have reached an international audience from people all over the world. And mm -hmm. the questions that they ask me, the things that they're worried about, uh, the things that they're struggling with are the same all across the world. So mm -hmm. I do think there are some things that are just generally true for humans. I see that in my work too, that I see these same kinds of patterns happening across all different kinds of people and all different kinds of relationships. So I think there are things that I can teach that are a little bit more general that will be mm -hmm. helpful to lots of people, but the ultimate always is going to be one-on-one -on -one coaching where you're getting exactly the feedback that's specific to your situation. Mm -hmm. Well, that reminds me of, of something I wanted to touch on, which was, um, you know, actually having people from different cultures, different countries in that sense, uh, because, you know, manners and customs are very different when you, mm -hmm. when you go outside your border and, um, how that does that influence how you actually approach them? Mm -hmm. I have been, um, I guess, kind of fortunate to mostly work with people from uh, kind of westernized mm -hmm. countries. And so okay. I find that things are similar enough that there hasn't been a major disconnect between, you know, what I know of to be normal quote unquote, mm -hmm. um, versus what they're experiencing. And one of the things that I had to learn as a therapist is that I can never assume that I know what someone's cultural values are, cultural mm -hmm. practices are. So I've always kind of been in the habit of being curious about that. And, and if I present something as an idea or guidance, I check in with someone and say, how does that fit with with how things are culturally for where you are? How does that fit with dating culture where you are? And usually I haven't come across anything yet that's been so far off. I could imagine that if mm -hmm. I worked with somebody who was living in a place where culture was very different yeah. from, you know, the United States, cause I kind of know the United States culture in general, okay. um, that that might be more challenging. I'm sure it would be more challenging, yeah. but I think there's um, a way to approach it. That's kind of, cooperative where mm -hmm. I don't presume that I know because I don't yeah. and elicit feedback, um, from the person about what their, what their actual experience is so that I can work together with them on figuring out what, what's going to work best for them in their cultural situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about, you know, people maybe from Asia or from middle East mm -hmm. or something like that, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, okay. Um, you said that normally your clients, um, can I, clients is the right word or is there a better clients, word? To, yeah, that's what okay. I call them. Mm -hmm. um, they normally stay with you one, two, three months mm -hmm. roundabout. Um, I mean, considering that they, they want to change their, their behavior, their really the part of their personality, mm -hmm. um, that time frame doesn't sound like a 
lot. Mm -hmm. right? <laughs> so um, do they like, but do they eventually manage to do it in such a short term period? Yeah, it's actually pretty amazing. And one of the things that I really love about um, doing coaching versus therapy, I, I love them both. But the cool thing about coaching is that because it's so focused and because mm -hmm. it's so targeted, I find that it's, um, and because usually it's time limited, we know we're only going to meet for four, eight or 12 weeks. We mm -hmm. know that this is not going to be something that's just going to be going on and on forever. Yeah. I think in therapy, because we know it's go, it could go on and on forever. There's no urgency behind Let's get to the bottom of this. Let's make a plan. What are your action steps? What do you mm -hmm. want to do differently? There's just a more kind of casual and slow pace, which I think is appropriate for therapy because it has a different kind of goal. Mm -hmm. um, but in coaching, because we're focused on just this one thing and there is a time limit to it, it's it's amazing what people can accomplish in a short period of time. And the other cool thing is that most people who are drawn to work with me have done therapy before and, or are willing to go on to do more therapy after we work together. So it's kind of like in the time that we're going to work together, I'm going to give you lots of skills and things that you can do and practice going forward. You're not going to have those nailed by the time we're done working together. It's going to be a process of continuing to practice those things and practice doing things differently, both yourself and in relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, but people, I think the feedback that I get is that people leave feeling confident that they know what they need to do. And now it's just a matter of practicing doing it. And if they're getting stuck with the kind of more emotional parts of it, if there's trauma that goes with it, if there's the stuff about their life history, that's making the present stuff hard. Therapy is a better place to address that on an mm -hmm. ongoing basis. So because a lot of the, my clients have done that work either on the front end or are willing to do it afterwards, it's kind mm -hmm. of a nice combination of things because I'm not going to pretend that as a coach, I can have the same kind of, um, impact in terms of somebody's like psychology and emotions mm -hmm. and trauma as doing therapy. And that's not my goal. You know, it's okay. more tools, tools and yeah. strategy based. Okay. I was thinking of, um, of that, that you, it's not necessarily that in that time frame they managed to change completely. And, mm -hmm. you know, after that, you know, they're healed in that sense. Right. <laughs> um, but instead you teach them the tools they need. Mm -hmm. all the skills they need mm -hmm. and after you two are done it's up to them to you know get familiar with them and practice them and, exactly you know mm -hmm. kind of uh, keep going the right way on by himself mm -hmm. okay okay um something i asked myself as well is what kind of um let's call it problems um would people could people come to you with mm -hmm. you know what what are you know serious problems that you can help with and what are issues that you know maybe are not big enough to do this mm, that's a good question i haven't really come across an issue that was too small to be addressed. Okay. Like usually, <laughs> I mean, if you, especially if people are willing to make the investment to work with me, because it's not inexpensive, usually mm -hmm. they have a, a fairly True. significant problem. Um, so I'll kind of go through like timeline of relationships. So yes, what a lot of people um, come to work with me 
for is they have been away from dating or pursuing relationships for a period of time. Sometimes Mm -hmm. that's because they've been in a relationship all that time. A lot of people come to me because, especially after the pandemic, um, because they were uh, very consumed by work or other things in their life and they hadn't been prioritizing relationships. And then the Mm -hmm. loneliness and isolation of the pandemic helped them realize that having a partner was actually something that was really important to them. Mm -hmm. So they needed some kind of support and holding and guidance as far as how do I actually do this? How do I get started with this again? Like for some people, it feels like things have changed a lot since they last dated in terms of dating apps and just online dating culture and how Mm -hmm. to manage all of that. Um, Sometimes people are coming out of long-term relationships or marriages and recognizing that there were things that they really didn't like about that, that relationship. And they don't want to repeat that pattern in their next relationships. So Mm -hmm. they want this kind of like, um, what's a good word? inter interference or interrupter of the pattern or of the cycle by doing some coaching, there's an opportunity to really consider what went well or didn't go well about the previous relationships and what you want to do go differently going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the, the starting with dating kind of thing. The other thing people will come to me for is around dating is, um, kind of fear or discomfort or resistance to mm-hmm. dating. I've had it, I've worked with a few people recently who that was up for them. So they kind of, they know that this is something that they want, but they need a little nudge and some support with getting comfortable, with just kind of going through the motions of doing the things that you have to do to meet new people and go on dates. Okay. Um, so that's been, that's been fun to work with too. And then I have people come to me who are, already in relationships and usually relatively new ones. So within the first, let's say six ish months Mm -hmm. of a new relationship and they're feeling anxious about the relationship. They're feeling, sometimes people are feeling uncertain about whether or not that person is a good fit for them. And they just want to have some support and guidance and a check-in to be able to, um, talk about and discern and make sure that this relationship is a good fit for them. Mm -hmm. Um, oftentimes people are feeling, uh, anxious in their relationships. As I mentioned before, they have like an anxious attachment style Mm -hmm. and they're sick of feeling that way. They have a good partner who they trust, who they know is good to them, who know, who they know, isn't going to do anything wrong, but they're finding themselves still feeling anxious in the relationship. So Mm -hmm. I work with them to, um, to help them work with that anxiety and get to a place where they can be more calm, secure, trusting of their partner and just enjoy their relationship instead Mm. of feeling so anxious. Okay. And um, may I enter into what's usually your procedure um, of Mm. analysis and. um, Yeah. So when people start with me, I meet with them for four weeks. We meet every week for um, 15 minutes via Zoom. I usually have a about 25 minute phone call with them before we decide to get started. So in Mm -hmm. that first phone call, I get an idea about, um, you know, what the current problem is, what's got them interested in coaching, what they've Mm -hmm. tried before, what's worked or hasn't worked, what they're trying to get out of coaching so that I can tell whether or not I'm going to be a good fit for working with them. Mm -hmm. And if I can help them accomplish their goal, because if I can't, I'll be transparent with them about that. Um, 
And also to, to kind of assess for, is this a clinical problem that needs to be addressed by a therapist? Because mm -hmm. as a therapist, I'm only able to work with people who live in California. So if it's someone from outside of California is contacting me and um, they have a clinical need, like they have serious depression, serious anxiety, PTSD, something like that, much better served by a therapist than by a coach. Mm -hmm. um, so do that little assessment. And then as I start to work with people based on what their goal is, we, um, we start to address whatever their concern is in the coaching sessions. So usually I get a little bit of background about, um, you know, what's the history leading up to this current problem. I don't mm -hmm. spend a lot of time on that because I feel like that's something that's also better, th better served for therapy, but I'd also don't want to be completely blind to why is this happening now? Yeah. And, um, depending on what the problem is, uh, starting to work together on, um, what are the things that you can do right now in the present to shift this? So what are the things that you can do internally? What are the ways to think, change how you're thinking about this? What are the ways to change how you're relating to this yourself? Mm -hmm. And then also thinking about behaviorally, what are the things that you can do in your relationships to, or, or as you're starting to date, you know, do you want to be communicating in a different way? Do you want to be interacting in a different way? Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's hard to say, like I said, it's hard to say super generally what I do because it's so customized to yeah. each person, but that's kind of the, the thing that's true for everyone. Okay. And um, going into the, the meat of, 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 of this, um, maybe we can start off with um, maybe listing up a little bit of the you know most mm, um how do you say that like what do um male and female do what's the biggest mistakes we do generally mm -hmm. speaking mm -hmm. yes oof my favorite topic <laughs> <laughs> finally <laughs> well especially for the people who are drawn to my work um i find the biggest problem is knowing, well, first of all, having an awareness about what it is that you actually want. Some mm -hmm. people don't have a really good awareness of what that is. They're just kind of going through the motions and focused more on whether or not somebody else is interested in them than whether or not they actually like the person themselves. Okay. So it's more about being chosen than being in the role of also choosing. Mm -hmm. So helping people have that awareness to begin with. Some people have that but then they aren't able to communicate what it is that they want. So I okay. find that a lot of people in relationships get stuck and get into problems because there are things that aren't working about the relationship or that they don't like or something that they want more of. And rather than communicating about it, they just shut all their feelings down, shut all their needs down. And then as you can imagine, end up feeling pretty unhappy or dissatisfied in their relationship. So yeah. something that I help a lot of people with is, First, the identifying and then figuring out how can I communicate this in a way that's going to be most likely to be well received. Mm -hmm. um, oh, there was something else I was thinking about it and then I lost it. Uh, maybe I can ask what what can be something like that? What can be something um, you you might want, but you, you're maybe too scared or too insecure to ask for? That's a great question. A lot of times, like if we get down to the most simple example, it's, it's a desire for more frequent communication or seeing mm. each other more often. So for example, um, you know, I might work with somebody who 
who just wants to hear from and check in with and connect with the person that they're seeing or they're dating more often than it's Mm -hmm. currently happening. And what I find is that, you know, humans are not mind readers. So the other person might not know that you want that. And that might be a kind of typical frequency of communication for them, but they might be absolutely open and willing to communicate with you, connect with you more often if you just let them know that you would like that. And I also think about this, especially in early dating Mm -hmm. as a point for discernment. So if you know that you want this in a relationship, sometimes if it's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, it's worth looking at what's going on with that. Like, is that actually necessary? Can you meet some of your own needs? Can you get your needs met outside of the relationship in addition to within the relationship? Mm -hmm. But in general, people are asking for very reasonable things. Like I want to hear from a person once a day or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's not like I need you to text me every hour. That might be a bit (laughs) much. (laughs) Um, And uh, so, yeah, figuring out what that is letting the person know, I would really love if we could connect or check in once a day. How does that feel for you? How would that be for you? So rather Mm. than making a demand, just presenting it as a request. And if you find that that person, if they say yes, but they don't do it, Mm. or they say no, that's important information to have as you're deciding whether or not you want to continue investing in a relationship with Mm. this person, right? So rather than What I see people, a lot of people run by is the fear that if I state my needs, the person might say no, or they might think that I'm too much. So Mm -hmm. it's better for me to shut down my needs and just not get them met and stay in this unsatisfying relationship versus doing the hard and vulnerable thing, which is stating what it is that you want, giving the person an opportunity to say yes or no, and Mm -hmm. then being in the power position of being able to choose, I want to continue to invest in this relationship or not based on how this person is responding to my needs. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's already so much in that because uh, (laughs) (laughs) I just get ideas in just listening to you. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, First thing that popped in my mind was, well, so many i i hear so many people do oh for me at least it feels wrong it's um you you're a bit scared you know of 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 saying what you want and then once you actually get uh your your um you know yourself together to do it Mm -hmm. um they often phrase it in a very um accusative way yes right because they're already frustrated from not saying it Oh my gosh. Yes. And then they go, Oh, why aren't you texting me more? Yes. You know, like, like that's like in a, in form of an aggression. Absolutely. So I I feel like that's, that's something that, uh, people should, you know, be really wary about. (laughs) Absolutely. I was actually just talking with a client about this recently that, um, you know, the, the, the antidote to that is, to to do this kind of process of like that I've been speaking to, which is having awareness all the way along about what it is that you want and need and really ideally communicating those things as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So, because I think usually when people come in that aggressive way, it's Mm -hmm. because they already feel resentful at that point. And they often also feel defensive because they are sharing something that's vulnerable and rather that what's more effective is to share it from a vulnerable state, which is hard for us to do. It takes practice to be yeah. willing to do that. 
But if we share it from a vulnerable state versus an aggressive one, we're so much more likely to get our needs met. But it's really hard to do that when you're way far down the line and you're already feeling resentful and upset about this person. It's hard to present it in a calm and kind and neutral way when you're already feeling angry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but um, that's the thing. Like oftentimes we, it's already too late. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, and um, uh, I don't know. I don't know if there's there's a tip or something that um, people in that position already yes. that they can yes. i don't know be more mindful on how they say things absolutely yeah i was it was already coming to mind for me before you okay. asked is good, is good. that you know because you're right that that's often the point where we have the we feel the big enough of a push to say something so The best thing you can do if you're in that position is to try to take a step back from the heat of the moment or the, the, the big emotions of the moment, Mm -hmm. and maybe not say something when you're feeling the most emotion around it. Right. So maybe give yourself some space, give yourself some time. Like you were saying before, give yourself time to kind of get yourself together, collect yourself, Mm -hmm. think out ahead of time what you want to say versus just saying the kind of like instinctual thing that is probably from ego and probably from kind of a wounded place and probably Mm -hmm. from kind of a defensive place. Put yourself, if you can, try to put yourself in the other person's shoes and imagine if somebody were coming to me with this, request or complaint or frustration, how would I want them to approach me about it? What would I want them to say? And mm-hmm. if you think about it from that perspective, if you get outside of yourself and, and put yourself in the other person's shoes, it's easier to think about, all right, here's a way to say this that doesn't sound so aggressive, that like promotes us being able to communicate about this versus, because if you come at someone aggressively, they're just going to shut down and get defensive too, right? It's not going to promote conversation and communication. So if you take the time to try to cool down enough to, and you can even communicate the way you're feeling, you can say, you know, I want to be transparent with you. Like, I've gotten to the point where I'm feeling angry and frustrated about this or whatever it is that it, that you're feeling. You can communicate the feeling without projecting the feeling by yes. coming at them with so much aggressiveness and defensiveness, right? And that's going to that's going to be much more likely to promote a, a healthy conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just likely that the people that do approach you are already there, right? Yes. Yes. So do you want some ideas about what to do when you're on the other end of that? Yes, please. (laughs) If you're on the receiving end of it. Yeah. I mean, you can do kind of the same thing, especially if you have a good, if you have a good rapport with that person Mm -hmm. is, um, this takes practice. I'm not going to pretend that this is easy to do right off the bat, but there's this amazing thing that happens in relationships called Mm co-regulation, where if one partner is really, um, agitated, upset, frustrated, angry, anxious, any of those kinds of things. If the other person can be there as a calm and steady presence Mm -hmm. and not meet them in their emotions, that can actually help the other person calm down. So the natural reaction when someone's coming at you with aggressiveness is defensiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So you might notice if you're on the receiving end of these kinds of criticisms, you might notice you feel your um, defensiveness rise up. You might feel shame rise up because usually when we're being criticized, shame is in the mix. Mm -hmm. 
So if you can do the same thing, which is like, take a breath, take a pause, maybe even ask to have this conversation a little bit later on, like, Hey, I hear what you're saying. I want to give it a little bit of thought. Can we come back together around five o'clock tonight to have this conversation? Can we come back together Mm -hmm. tomorrow morning at breakfast to have this conversation so that you also give the other person some time to cool down? Um, So anything that you can do to kind of regulate your own emotions and your own body's reactions to what's happening and kind of cool the fire is going to help the other person calm down too. As long as you don't tell them like, calm down, you're overreacting. That doesn't help. I've been there before. (laughs) (laughs) I've made that mistake myself. So yeah. (laughs) Mm. Maybe another, something I like to do sometimes that helps me in those Mm -hmm. kinds of situations is um, to write the question down before mm. actually saying it mm-hmm. that's a great idea right because that it it like um it obligates you to uh take your time to absolutely slow down right Which absolutely uh, you know yeah and it gives you a it kind of forces you also to take a moment to actually consider those words and yeah. what what how those words are going to sound coming out of your mouth, how those words are likely to be received when Mm. we don't think that through and we just say it out loud without really considering what we want to say, then yeah, it can go in a way that doesn't end up feeling good for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as you said, empathy is king Absolutely, um, for really everything we do. And mm, had, when it comes to, um, to empathy, it's, it, I feel like it's especially important when you do feel mis mistreated or when you mm-hmm. feel um you know um or oh yeah there's another word for that but like mm. uh yeah when you feel treated unfairly yes um especially then when it like you feel like it doesn't make sense to show empathy right yes because you, you, you know you hate that person <laughs> like no no they don't deserve it yes um that in in those moments being even more showing even more empathy than before yes um really really helps it's like it's like this great um weapon you got absolutely (laughs) i say that empathy disarms right Mm. so when we're in conflict with someone and we're i was actually just thinking i'm probably going to do a story on this sometime soon because i thought it was a good topic to share more about but Mm -hmm. when um when we are in conflict with someone Sometimes it feels like we have to agree with what they're saying in order to be able to empathize with them. And that's not true at all. Mm -hmm. We don't have to agree with them at all. We can hold different positions and still be able to communicate that we understand that person's position, whether Mm -hmm. or not we agree with it. And, and it's the most effective thing you can do in an argument or a conflict with someone. It, it, it prevents things from escalating. It disarms the conflict and it gets you to a point where, you both can hear and understand each other and have a conversation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, most times when I get frustrated about someone or what someone has done, um, it's oftentimes because I feel like I'm not being understood. Mm-hmm. Right. Or no, I'm not being heard. Um, and I also, you know, uh, 
I tend to, I don't know, take everything very personally too. Like mm-hmm. they, they done to me, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which it can be, but uh, not always mm-hmm. necessarily mm-hmm. be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yes. <laughs> I feel like we, we went down quite the rabbit hole there already, mm-hmm. but I, I love it. I love it. Um, so we came from all the way uh, from the point of not communicating what you want or not knowing mm-hmm. what you want. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that was that was the first example. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's go for another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, something else that comes up often, should we maybe talk about uh, feeling anxious in mm-hmm. in relationships and how to work with feeling a little bit more calm and secure? Would that be a good thing yeah, to talk more yeah, about? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so this is also kind of something that is, is customized uh, per person because people have different things that help them to kind of regulate their brains and their bodies. And so usually when I'm coaching somebody, um, I check in with them about what that thing is for them and people will have different answers. I was talking to someone the other day who was saying like taking her dogs for a walk is something that will help her kind of break the anxiety cycle. Um, like routines. that she, yeah, that she tends. So like, so, so what will come up often for people who have an anxious attachment style is they are hyper aware of, um, any sign that something might be off or bad or wrong Mm -hmm. in their relationship. It might be a sign that things are going in a bad direction. Okay. And oftentimes it's like subtle, tiny little things that don't actually mean anything, but because we're so attuned to seeing them, we're just picking up on them all the time. And so when somebody who has an anxious attachment style is in a relationship with someone and they pick up on something like that, they start to go into this kind of anxious spiral of, well, okay, they did, they just did this thing that they don't normally do. What does that mean? Does that mean that they don't like me anymore? Does it mean they don't want to see me anymore? Does it mean they don't want to talk to me anymore? Does this mean that we're going to, you you get the idea. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Um, so a big piece of that is learning how to interrupt that cycle Mm -hmm. of the spiral of the thinking. So if there's something that you know that you can do that helps to calm your brain and body for Mm -hmm. some people, it's writing for some people, it's calling and talking to a friend for Mm -hmm. some people, it's going outside and going for a walk for some people. It's like taking a nap. There's all kinds of different things that people can do to um, just kind of interrupt that cycle. And that's the first thing that I help like to distract oneself. Exactly. Yes. Okay. There's a great, sorry, I'm just a little, in, in Germany, there's a great word for that, actually. Mm-hmm. When you have that spiral going on in your head, it's called mm-hmm. Kopfkino, which mm-hmm. means head cinema. Mm-hmm. It's like you you have you, you start to create your own movies in your head. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. And um, uh, the way I deal with that, because I, I have that a lot, so I don't know mm-hmm. what that says about me, but I have that a lot. <laughs> um, I, when I do, when I have that, and mm-hmm. I notice I do have that right now. Yes. I call it out. Yes. Like, oh, I'm having Kofkino right now. And I say yes. it. I say it to me. I love that. It's like, gosh, <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <yep, laughs> kind of yep. surprising myself that I'm doing it. Yes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> There's, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Brene Brown, the author and researcher, she, um, 
she, the way she says it's very similar. They don't call it cinema, but she mm-hmm. says the story that I'm making up right now, that's what she'll say to herself mm-hmm. or to like, if she's in conflict with her husband, she'll go to him and she'll say the story that I'm making up right now is blah, blah, oh, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and nice, she recognizes nice. like, it's probably not true, yeah. but this is what's happening for me internally. So it's helpful to acknowledge it. Mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in there. That's great. I love that. <laughs> Some German words always worked. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, so uh, you were talking about the different, um, you know, routines or actions someone can take to actually yes. get get out of that spiral. Yes, yes. So that's the first thing is interrupting the cycle. And then there's a lot of cognitive work that people can do around this too, as far as their thinking. So, um, one of the tricks is to, um, to take the piece of thing, like the little piece that you're noticing that happened Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and zoom your focus way out so that you can see your whole relationship and not just that one piece. Mm -hmm. And when you look at that one piece in the context of your whole relationship, are you finding that you have any other evidence that the Mm -hmm. worry that's coming from that one piece um, is, is actually something worth being worried about? So like, let's say for example, um, somebody, uh, doesn't get a text at a normal time that they would from their partner okay. or the person that they're dating. And they think, well, this person texts me every morning at 8 a.m. Why is this person not texting mm-hmm. me? Are they with somebody else? Are they going out on a date? Are they da 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 all the things? Okay. Head Clearly cinema. cheating. Clearly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yes. <laughs> like I know for sure this is happening right now. So then We zoom out and we think Mm -hmm. about, okay, well, what happened with this person yesterday? What has happened with this person over the last week? What has Mm -hmm. happened with this person over the last six months? Do I have any other evidence aside from this person not texting me at 8 a.m. this morning that this person is not interested in me anymore, that they're cheating on me, that they're interested in someone Mm -hmm. else? Is there any other evidence that I have here of that? And usually the answer will be no. Sometimes the answer is yes. And if the answer is yes, then that's worth paying attention to, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to just uh, rule out any thought that you have about this because this anxiety is here to try to protect us, right? Yeah. But we want to check the facts and see if the the emotions that are going with what's happening is actually fits the evidence and the facts of the whole picture of the relationship. Okay. 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 Um, um, the first thing that pops in my mind, well, about this specific topic is, well, generally jealousy, right? Mm. Um, or, I don't know, or maybe it's just a cliche, but I think generally that that's what um, people have to, or like have to deal with, especially in the Absolutely. beginning. Yes. Um, I don't know, they, maybe they see their partner talk to another person or something, and that's maybe sometimes already enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's also, um, it fits into that and absolutely um, it can be uh, treated this way yeah in, in, a, in, a, in a sense um also tend to um, apply um, kind of like uh, law like it's uh, in English like you know um, there's a basic rule in laws laws in law um, mm-hmm. where it's where you first have to um and like the innocence presumption or presumption of innocence yes yes um 
my, my English is just kicking, kicking me <laughs> right now. <clears throat> and I like to, I tend to apply that actually to my, to my partner or to my friends, you know, I always, mm-hmm. um, you know, assume that they, uh, or that like, it's, it's, it's something not offensive or nothing yes. crazy. It's yes. l- the least thing that I probably would expect. Yes. I love that. In the US, we say uh, innocent until proven guilty. And yeah, I think, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful thing to bring to relationships because our brain is naturally going to want to jump to the opposite end. Our brain is naturally going to want to jump to worst case scenario oh, yeah. of trying to protect us. Right. Exactly. So if you can intentionally take on this, this mindset or belief of, I'm going to believe that this person is innocent until I have evidence otherwise, I think mm-hmm. that's really helpful. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you shouldn't bring it up, right? Because mm-hmm. um, if, like, if you don't speak about it, because it's still in your mind. So if you don't speak mm-hmm. about it, it it's still it will stay there. And it will only grow bigger over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going going back to the first step, <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to the first point <laughs> we were talking about. Um, so um, even though um, yeah, you 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 assume it's it's nothing too crazy and you know you speak it up you can even you know maybe say oh yeah i I saw it i just got a little jealous and just we're wondering you know yes you know just formulate formulate it nicely and it'll be fine (laughs) i think that's a great way to approach it yeah all right nice um so we have touched already on on two very i'll say big topics that Mm -hmm. most people uh, you know tend to do wrong at some stage in their life especially in the beginning mm-hmm. or you are not mm-hmm. as experienced mm-hmm. and um could we could we add some um mistakes that uh, we do maybe divided within uh, what mainly f- males do wrong or what may- mainly mm. females mm. do wrong that is a good question well there's something that comes to mind for me um about men, because it's been just coming up a lot lately in kind of what I consume on social media and, Mm -hmm. you know, what I talk to with my clients. And I actually just experienced this myself in a personal setting recently, um, which is that I think women want a lot more, especially in early dating, want a lot more thoughtful attention from men. And when Mm -hmm. I say thoughtful attention, I mean, are you, are you actually interested? I'll just put myself as the me, you know, I'm in a relationship, but just for the example, are you actually interested in me as a human, as a person? Are you interested in getting to know me or Mm -hmm. are you just interested in having me around as like companionship, someone to have sex with, whatever it might be to show off, you know, are you actually interested in me as a person? And so I think, I don't know if, if this is similar in Germany and in Europe. Um, but in the U S I think men are not, uh, socialized to be very emotionally intelligent and to, um, and to connect in the same way with others as women are socialized to connect with others. And so I think, at least in the U S men have this skill kind of underdeveloped. The reason why I was thinking about it personally is that 
I went to, um, my partner's work Christmas party last or holiday party last weekend. And he works, um, for a high-end construction company. And it was almost all men at the party, except for a few of their female employees. Mm -hmm. And, um, I counted afterwards, (laughs) I talked to at least 12 different men that night with him, with my partner there. Mm -hmm. And not a single one of them asked me a question about myself. Mm. Not a single one. Okay. I see. <laughs> and I think, yeah, I think some of that was because some of them had met me before and they had asked me things about like who I am and what I do, um, when they had met me before, but it just really struck me as odd that mm-hmm. out of all of those conversations, no one asked me anything about me. And okay. this is what I'm hearing from a lot of women on social media, especially people who just post content about dating as people who are dating that, men don't ask them questions about themselves. Like when they're <laughs> chatting on dating apps, when they go on dates, they, yeah. they just, it's like, they don't move the, the conversation forward okay. by being curious and interested. So that's one thing that just like popped into my head easily as like something that's coming up a lot lately. I see. So they mainly talked about themselves or what did they yes. do? Okay. Yes. Yes. So yes. very self-centered and, and, in a way. Right. So, and women will talk about, especially on dating apps, um, you know, asking the person questions to try to kind of stimulate conversation and that person not asking any questions back. So it's like a dead end. Yeah. Oh, I can't hear you for some reason. Oh no, what happened? Oh no, I can hear you. Is it back? (laughs) Just for like a few seconds, I couldn't hear you. Okay. (laughs) It probably was because of the internet or something. Sorry, I didn't hear that last part. I was saying, I don't know if this is a U.S. problem or if this is something that's happening elsewhere too, oh, okay. but I'm just, I'm hearing a lot about this from, from women. I see. Um, I, I, I can't really say, but, um, I, I have, I happen to know that science taught us that actually this is, um, a sort of like a biological thing, biological mm-hmm. thing, like mm-hmm. man tend to care more about things and mm-hmm. women tend to care more about people. Right. So, um, it's, it is partially driven by nature, mm-hmm. but obviously I think there's also a big part that is, um, at least, you know, um, enhanced by, by society. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Um, <sighs> I just, I just, uh, recall, uh, my mom always telling me that, you know, uh, men are pigs. <laughs> she, she used to tell me that all the time. Oh no, oh, like, that's oh. not a great message to hear as a man growing up. I'm like, look, look, look at me, come on. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> um, and I do not believe that men are pigs at all. No, way. no, I yeah, I didn't, that, I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, yeah. But I want to explicitly say, like, I think men are wonderful. And I think often they are hampered by the expectations that society places upon them about what it means to be a man and what it mm. means to be masculine. So I empathize with how that's hard for men. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Um, just trying to process this. <laughs> mm-hmm. We can get into, uh, unless you want to talk more about what we just talked about, we could get into, uh, what women tend to do wrong. Mm-hmm. In well, the we States we in just went to, to, um, well, we tried to, to find some, some, uh, main mistakes that's, uh, you know, divided by, ge- by gender. Yes. And, uh, when it comes to men, 
I, I guess the message was uh, we uh, don't maybe show uh, enough. Uh, we don't maybe not care enough about the other person, mm. or maybe not mm -hmm. show enough interest mm -hmm. about that personality mm -hmm. on the other side. Yes. Am I getting and this I think, right? Yeah. And, and connecting in that way. Like there's okay. a lack of connection in that, I think, like, which I think can keep relationships from deepening, mm -hmm. um, emotionally if that's, if that's what the goal is. Okay. <clears throat> okay. It's, um, do you have another one for, 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 us boys? for men? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me think if there's another one before we jump. The other thing, this is another little bit of a generalization, but the, the other thing that I think um, men don't do a great job of, and again, this might be a U.S. generalization, is that they don't often enter dating with a clear idea of what they actually want. So sometimes, and I think women do this too, but I find it, it tends to be even more common on the men's side of things. Mm -hmm. um, I've known of and seen men who, you know, download a dating app in the process of a breakup or a mm. fight with their partner yeah. okay. <laughs> or who, you know, start dating immediately after the end of a relationship. And they have absolutely no intention of actually trying to start a new relationship. Okay. I don't know what their intention is, yes. but they, they don't know what it is. Right. They're just like, want to distract themselves or, um, have something else to think about or meet mm -hmm. someone new. I don't know exactly what the idea behind it is, but okay. I find that that creates a lot of hurt and pain for women because mm -hmm. I think in general, women approach dating usually more from the intention of wanting to try to find a partner and a okay. partnership, like a long loss, but yeah, okay. but often like when people, when women go on to dating apps. Usually the, the intention is I'm going to find someone to date, have as a companion and continue to have a relationship with them. And men don't always have that intention. And I think that men would serve both themselves and, and women by first knowing within themselves what they, what it is that they actually want. And yeah. then being honest and transparent about that, because okay. I think some men think like, well, I'm not going to be able to get any attention from women. If I don't, um, if I don't present myself as interested in a long-term relationship, knowing that that's what women want, even mm -hmm. if not, even if that's not what they actually want, but there are women in the dating pool who know they don't want a serious relationship. They, they're just kind of they're interested in meeting new people, yeah. maybe sleeping around a little bit and getting some experience sexually. Yeah. Um, and so great. Like let those people match, yeah. <laughs> let the people, the men who don't want a relationship match with the women who don't want a relationship, mm -hmm. but it's, it makes the dating experience so unpleasant. I think on both sides for men who are pursuing women who want a relationship when the men don't want a relationship, it ends up being messy and kind of yucky for them. Yeah. And it's awful on the women's side too. Okay. I see. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, what are, what are your thoughts on that? Ooh. <laughs> I just had Put to, <laughs> I just had to recall, um, 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 an experience I had actually, I think it was this year, um, with a lady and in that situation, I actually, um, were very honest about my intentions. Mm -hmm. Like, um, I was like, I want a relationship, you know, 
no pressure, but you know, that's how it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, sadly, she wasn't. Uh, mm. She was interested in that, mm-hmm. and um, in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's and then and then I thought okay, and I thought about it. I was like, okay, it's it's not that. Um, like it was still important that I said it out loud. So um, it was clear from the very beginning, and I, it, I didn't go emotionally invested, you know. And then yes. at some point later, when it's a little bit too late, I, yes. I would have found out. I was like, oh no! Yes. And then I'm hurt. Yes, <laughs> yes, so much better. Um, but um, you know, for for uh, for for uh, you know, for like some time uh, after that, I was like, I was I was feeling bad. I was like, oh no! Mm-hmm. I scared her. Right. Mm. That was another thought. Which mm-hmm. was kind of like battling, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, maybe I shouldn't have said anything, and mm-hmm. then it might would have worked out mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. sometimes you think, okay, maybe they change, you know, um, um, because it it does fit and didn't expect it, right? Yes, yeah. Uh, which also mm, can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. You, you're mm-hmm. not you're not planning on having a relationship, but you happen to meet someone that yeah. changes the idea. Yes. Yes. Although I would say that that is the very much the exception to the rule, right. like that, that usually things don't go that way. And speaking of another mistake that people often make, like it's not necessarily divided by gender, but mm-hmm. um, is like holding out the hope that this person said they don't want this thing that I want, mm-hmm. but maybe they'll change their mind. If I just stick around long yeah. enough, if they learn to see how lovable I am over mm-hmm. time, eventually they'll decide to be with me. And as someone who did that way too many times in my own life <laughs> and who's seen lots of my clients do the same to really bad, you know, painful results, I say, okay. I I think your approach of being transparent was smart. And that's what I usually encourage my clients to do yeah. that. Um, it's much more likely that if someone communicates that they want something different from you, that that's probably going to be true for them. And it doesn't preclude that person ever coming back to you in the future too. Let's say they don't want a relationship right now, but they know that that's something that you want and Mm -hmm. you guys part for whatever reason. And they find themselves at a point later on of like, you know, I really do want a relationship now and things were going really well with him. Like, they can, there's always opportunity that they could come back to you. You don't have to stay together all that time in order to make that a possibility. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm. Um, Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Like in the sense of um, like, let's just, if, if it happens to, if we rematch somehow in the future, we can have another look at it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's all. All right. All right. Um, and I mean, now that we, that you've touched on, on the, on the dating, uh, app, dating apps topic, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's your take on that? Mm, on dating apps? Yeah. Like Tinder <laughs> is like the most famous one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am pro dating app. Uh, a lot of people aren't, but I, I like them. I think they're a useful tool. I think Mm -hmm. that the way to use dating apps in a way that's functional and helpful is to think of it not as 
you know, putting pressure on every match as a possible, um, kind of love of your life kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but rather thinking of it as an opportunity to connect you with new people much more easily than any other way that I know of. Um, So if you use it as a way to just meet more new people and go on more dates and get to know more people, I think it's really helpful. And I think that, um, when people are on dating apps, because there isn't, um, there is, there aren't other kind of, um, social protections built in, in the way that there are, there are, if you, let's say you meet someone through a friend, mm-hmm. you already know something about that person's character and okay. reputation and what they do and all those kinds of things yeah. on a dating app. Someone could be lying about all of those things. You just don't mm-hmm. have that same kind of level. I guess it's social accountability that's built yeah. in. So I think dating apps require a ton of discernment and a ton of willingness to, um, to be able to kind of roll with the fact that many of the people who you meet or match with are not going to be the right match for you and to not take that personally, not make that be about anything bad about you or even anything bad about that other person. But just thinking that like, yeah, it might take me meeting 20 people before I meet somebody who's actually the right match for me. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I ask also because of, of many friends that are, you know, I've made I've, I've tried these apps and uh, mm-hmm. still trying. And um, of, like, most of the times when I hear, uh, well, their experiences or when they share how it, mm-hmm. it, it went with it, it's normally quite bad. Mm. Like uh, they uh, sound very disappointed mm-hmm. and um, they kind of look lose faith. <laughs> but mm-hmm. not in the app but in in, mm-hmm. in like in in man or in woman you know yeah yeah <laughs> um but what they're really blaming is 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 the app in in the end right or, or how yeah. they're using it i guess because yeah. uh, i don't know they I, they have many dates and many many opportunities and it always somehow um ends up badly or mm. it doesn't work out mm-hmm. um but what would you say to those, which probably are most people? <laughs> That's interesting because, you know, I, I guess I'm a little bit biased because I, I know of couples who have met and have had successful relationships through mm-hmm. apps. And so I've seen like the happy ending for people. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, <laughs> so the thing that's tricky about apps is that kind of like what we were talking about before with, with people going into dating without a clear intention about what they want. You've got people using apps for all kinds of different reasons. You've got people using apps because they're bored. You've got Mm -hmm. people using apps because they want some attention and affirmation about who they can get people, who they can get to match with them, who they can get to pay them attention via messages. They have no intention of actually meeting these people. Mm -hmm. You have people who are in relationships who are using apps for entertainment, right? So, so you get this huge pool of people and not all of them are serious daters who are actually looking for a relationship. And so I think that that contributes to a lot of people's disappointment with their experiences on apps is that they're taking that to mean something. I mean, it's frustrating. Like there's, there's no getting around that. I want to validate that it's frustrating, Mm -hmm. but if you go into using apps, knowing that, knowing that like some of this is going to be a waste of my time and my, my kind of responsibility to myself here is to be 
assessing for someone's seriousness of interest as soon as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. So like my approach when I use dating apps was I would, I would not message with people for more than a couple of days. It's like you either, um, if as long, as long as I felt like a good vibe from them, I felt safe with them. Let's meet for a casual date ASAP. I don't want to spend two weeks talking to you on this dumb app. And then finding that you like never actually want to go on a date. Like that's a huge waste of my time. Right. And I could never really tell if I was going to genuinely connect with someone until I actually met them. So I was Mm -hmm. like, let's skip the chatting. Let's just meet each other. And if it's cool, then great. We'll go on another date. And if not, then we will not waste each other's time any longer. Mm. So I think that attitude can help. Um, I, I'm also biased in that, like I had very good experiences on dating apps. Like I met wonderful people. I didn't have like a frustrating, bad experience. So I would be curious. I don't want to be, um, like critical or judgmental of people who have this kind of experience with dating mm-hmm. apps, like a bad one. Yeah. But I would also be curious, like, is this pattern present in relationships that happened outside of dating apps too? Because yeah. if so, then it might be worth doing some, some self-reflection and introspection about like, what am I bringing to this or how am I contributing to these dynamics? Mm-hmm. Am I choosing people? Am I attracted to people who I end up having disappointing relationships with? Do I show up in a way that pushes people away? Um, there's all kinds of things that yeah. can happen. Um, okay. but I think that's worth considering. Yeah. So, so what I take out from this is you should, um, try distance yourself emotionally from these apps as much as you can yes and don't rely on them yeah either and and really don't take things personally when when things don't work out because that's going to be a natural byproduct of meeting people throughout you're going to connect with people who you are not a good match with and Mm. i think it when people feel really hurt every time that that happens that Mm. makes being on apps really really hard yeah okay okay good um because it's it's a topic that i'm i'm always like oh is this good is this bad i'm not sure yeah yeah Um, and in the end it's just really a matter of how you use it i think so yeah and i think it's always great to combine if you want to use apps it's great to combine that with other ways of trying to meet new people so i think the other thing that happens is people become completely depend on on apps as the only way that they're meeting new people. And then it's very easy to be frustrated because yeah. like I said, people aren't always there for the right or good reasons. Um, mm-hmm. So it's helpful to be out in the world and doing things where people, other single people might be to be involved in group activities that meet on a regular basis. So you have opportunities to meet new people, to ask friends and family for mm-hmm. introductions to people Um you don't want to just depend on dating apps. Alone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just uh, had to think of, um, well, probably, well, now the second, um, <laughs> um, well, before I, I knew about you, it was really the only um, um, well, dating coach that I knew, which mm-hmm. is Matthew Hussey. I know I Matthew Hussey, yeah. Okay. yeah. You've heard about him. <laughs> um, and he, um, I once uh, heard him say um, he gave a good tip uh, when it comes to actually meeting someone mm-hmm. uh, you haven't you haven't seen before you have met through an app mm-hmm. and 
basically because as you said meeting in person is really the only way to actually get to know this person properly mm-hmm. um and he said instead of going on a date outside and having dinner for example mm-hmm. which is uh, sort of a standard move mm-hmm. before that actually giving the person a call yes that, like not out of the blue but like hey let's let's Planet. have a, a chat for like five yes. minutes <laughs> yes yes highly uh, recommend that Great yeah because <laughs> it, it, it gives you a really good feeling if going on a date in person with a person actually makes sense or not absolutely yes it's really interesting when i so i first started this is gonna make me sound like a dinosaur but i first started <laughs> date, uh, online dating when i was 21 which means i was probably like around 2004 and it was like pretty early into online dating mm-hmm. um so, uh, there was like match.com and eHarmony. And back mm-hmm. then the standard practice was you would never go on a date without speaking to them on the phone first. Like that's what just everybody did. Oh, and really? that's really changed now. But the interesting thing that's happened since the pandemic, it, which by the way, I think having, like I was saying to you, I think having a phone call ahead of time is, is genius because if the conversation is super awkward and awful on a phone yeah. call, you know, that a date's probably not going to go well and you can save both of you the pain of that. Right. Yeah. But something that's happened since the pandemic that I think is also a really good idea is that more people are starting to have a video call before they go on a date. So not only do you get to have a conversation, but you also get to see what this person actually looks like. Do mm. they, are they representing themselves fairly and accurately on yeah. the dating app? And you get a, a feeling of like, what's it like to be with this person, even if you're not there physically together? Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've, I've tried this and done this before myself. And, you know, sometimes they're not keen or down to do that. Yeah. Um, and then, I don't know, I always feel like it's it's like a lack of um, commitment from their part mm-hmm. or, or like a lack of trust or I don't know. Yeah. And Good screening I, tool, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 You have, you have to draw your conclusions if they say no. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what, what, what can that mean? Like, is, is, is that a green flag or is that a red flag or what is that? Yeah. If I wanted to have a video call with like, what kind of response do you get from people? If you, if you ask of that, what do they say? Maybe they are like, I'm not comfortable, you know, you know, like Mm. FaceTiming or. So they would prefer to just go on a date, but they don't want to, they don't want to FaceTime. Yeah. That's strange to me. Yeah. It has happened to me for sure. (laughs) I believe that it happens, but that would be that I would, well, I hear people are saying Amber flag now. So maybe I would call this an Amber flag (laughs) somewhere in the middle worth exploring further, but yeah, I I would probably tend to think of what you think around lack of commitment. Um, Or yeah, like that can be, it doesn't have to. Yeah. Uh, It just feels sometimes like they don't want to put any effort into this. So it works out. You know, that doesn't seem like a good way to start a relationship is my yeah. general feeling of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'll, I want I'll, somebody... I'll put it on, on, on the bad side as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if Matthew Hussey talks about this. It's like, this came from somewhere outside of me, but I think it's really helpful to look for enthusiasm, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to start a relationship with somebody who's like, eh, maybe, eh, I don't yeah. know, like who's not really excited and there's momentum Mm-mm. moving forward. Like that, that's just not a helpful place to start yeah. a relationship from. So I think I would take 
the, no, I don't want to do FaceTime as like, mm, there might be some lacking enthusiasm here. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe oh, they're very, very uh, insecure about themselves. In that yeah. Sense, maybe, a lot which of is people also don't like. So great. <laughs> True. Yeah. I, I've, I've had clients who, you know, I do phone calls with instead of video calls because they don't like looking at themselves oh, okay. on the screen. Yeah. So it's a thing, you know, but yeah. also that's something that could be relevant to how a relationship would go with that person. Mm -hmm. But another thing that you pointed out that I feel is very important is do not stretch out too much that, um, um, how you call it? Like, um, just chatting. Yes. Your text. Yes. Like, yes. Endlessly. Ugh, no. <laughs> just coming up with new topics all the time yeah. and it kills the momentum because then once you go on a date the, like i had this experience earlier on in my dating which is part of what got me to this point was mm. like we, i would you know back in the day it was like common for people to message for a really long time before they ever met because meeting strangers from the internet was like a very weird concept back yeah. then but then i would find by the time we got to the date we'd already talked about so many things that it was hard to have like the getting to know you conversation on the date because we We'd already yeah. covered all those things in messages. So <laughs> it made the first date feel even more awkward. So yeah. I like being able to have those conversations with people in person whenever possible. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah. So you you know, in the beginning, so you're still hungry for new information and curious. Exactly. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Finding out new stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, was there a point on the other side that you were thinking about when it comes to a woman? Oh, yes. What do women, what are mistakes that women tend to make? Well, we kind of covered one of them already, which is that I think if the, if there were a gender split in the um, not acknowledging your own needs and not communicating about your own needs, I'd say that that tends to fall more on the side of women. So mm -hmm. that's a big one. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what are other... I mean, we tried to split this out by gender, but I think it's actually also true. I, I guess the thing that would be different for women versus men, as far as this is, I think women often know what they want mm. in a relationship, like what their intentions are as far as like, do they want something casual? Do they want something more serious? But I think the mistake that women often make is that they don't explicitly communicate that. So okay. they, they get this message. I mean, You hear this all the time. It's mm. even there are dating coaches even now who are saying this that like the way to get a a partner is by playing hard to get and don't yeah. act overly interested because that will push them away. And the thing that I love, um, there's a book called Attached. It's like the new science of adult attachments by um, Levine and Heller, and it's it's wonderful and kind of the whole point of that book and thesis of that book is that that approach draws in people who have an avoidant attachment style, who mm -hmm. have a hard time connecting in relationships, who have a hard time with emotional closeness and intimacy. Okay. So yeah, if you want to, if you want to attract people who don't really want to be in a relationship and who are really uncomfortable with that, then being, uh, playing it cool and acting like you don't care is a great strategy yeah. for attracting people like that. But if you want to attract someone who wants a lasting, committed, stable, secure relationship, that That is not the way to go about doing that. So I think okay. that that's a huge myth that's been kind of promoted over time about relationships, that it's a bad thing to be clear about what you really want. Mm. When you're clear about what you really want, you get somebody who wants that too. And yeah. that's the ultimate goal. Okay. Yeah. I often, I often see in that pattern, just a lot of fear of 
Yes. Rejection in the yes. end. Yes. Yes. They don't uh they wanna don't want to get too vulnerable. Yes. Uh so they you know they show off and they they play it cool. Um yeah. and a great way to see this to help me understand this is if you are very clear and open and you know communicative then of course you're giving the other person power about you no question mm -hmm. about that mm -hmm. um which is what people are so scared about but the, mm -hmm. the benefit of that is that you actually see how that person deals with power yeah which um ca casually said you know power reveals your true self right yeah yeah. Um, so giving the other person a bit of power about you actually is a very good tool to see, you know, how they behave with that, how they deal yeah. with it. That's a great point. Um, okay. So how about we um, jump from here to um, which I saw you, you're very, you often use in, in your social media, which are red and green flags. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to, to to touch on these and, you know, get some of those um, mm -hmm. flags out there. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, let's start with green flags because yes, I feel like please. those are more universal than red flags. Like red, red flags can really be more personalized based on what's important to you in mm -hmm. a relationship. But these are some pretty universal um, green flags that I see uh, to be true for almost all relationships. Mm -hmm. And some of them are kind of like the opposite of some of the things that we've been talking about as far as mistakes go. So big green flags um, from the beginning of a relationship. Someone is clearly communicating their interest in you. They are making time for you mm -hmm. in their life, even if they're busy. I'm not saying that they need to be available to you 24 seven, yeah. but if you feel like you can't fit into their life, that is a big, scary, bad thing. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. That's not a good thing that's going to help your relationship move forward. So they're making space for you in your life, uh, in their life. Um, they are able to, and this goes both ways. I say they, but we want to be doing these same things sure. ourselves too, right? Um, they are able to communicate effectively. So if something comes up that they're feeling... Um, upset about or seeming unfair in the relationship or mm. not going well or concern they have that they can come to you in a calm way and talk about it versus being aggressive and defensive. Like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. I personally think that communication is one of the most, I mean, I'm not, I, I say personally, I think lots of people think this, not everybody thinks this, but a lot of people think that communication is like the the real important foundation for a relationship. So when you find someone who you can communicate well with, like your communication styles match well, I think that's a, a big green flag because mm -hmm. relationships are naturally going to have points of conflict. That's just something that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's not to be avoided. It's not, it's the goal isn't to try to never have conflict with someone. The goal is to have a partner who you can work through conflict with together. Mm -hmm. So if you can communicate well, very helpful. What else? That their that their words and their actions are aligned. Mm. So what they're saying they want and what they actually do are the same. Yeah. So that's not always so true. So like honesty in that sense. Yeah. And also that, you know, if someone says 
something is important to them. Like, let's say, <laughs> let's say, let's say you have a value that family is really important to you and you yeah. want a partner who family is really important to them. And they say, family is really important to me. Mm-hmm. And yet they don't talk to their family often. They don't see their family often. They don't make their family a priority in their life. Like you'd see that there's like a misalignment here between what they say they value and how they're actually living their life. Something to look for. Okay. Okay. Um, I may add something to the first point, mm-hmm. uh, which was um, that you make time for the other person. Mm-hmm. If I recall it correctly, I think mm-hmm. it was the first one. And uh, to that, um, it's 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 an it's something that comes up a lot. Like uh, you know, I have a friend that that asked me like, oh this this girl isn't texting me back at all mm-hmm. like all right or like you try to um you know not make an appointment but um try to organize a date with that person right mm-hmm. and be specific like you know um hey let's let's meet that day at that time at this restaurant it's brilliant um would you, would you be down or would you be mm-hmm. uh happy to go there with me mm-hmm. and I feel like this is a rule that has always applied to me, which is if they say no or they can't on that suggested time, which is perfectly okay because, you know, Mm -hmm. we all have our lives and our plans Mm -hmm. and uh, work and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, So if they say no, that's okay. But I feel like the second step is the crucial difference between if they're interested or not, which is Mm -hmm. do they say no and that's it? Mm-hmm. Or do they say no and, oh, I can't on that date, but I can't do next Saturday. Yes, yes, yes. That's a big distinction. Right? They try yeah. to give you an alternative plan. Yes, or yes, time. yes. Um, and um, if if they don't, I think it's it's really like a clear sign that they're not interested. Right. Yes. Or at least that they're not willing to make this a priority in their life right now. Right. Like it not, it might not even be a lack of interest in you. It might be lack of interest in putting effort into dating in a relation and relationship right now. Right. But yeah, there, I actually encourage people to, to have boundaries around this stuff that Mm -hmm. you don't want to just completely upend your life in order to make time for this new person in a relationship. But this is a perfect example of how you can do that. Like, no, I have some something else that I've got going on at that time, but I'm available at X, Y, and Z time. Can we make yeah. one of these things work? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, this leads me to another thing, which is really, um, well, this is one of, I believe the biggest mistakes I have done on my first relationships, mm-hmm. which was making the partner, the center of everything. Central of my world, like everything is her. Yes. And um, all my hobbies and things I was doing before are now secondary place. Yes. Yes. This is Um, huge. Yeah. Please go ahead. What do you think about that? Brilliant strategy (laughs) of mine. I don't want to interrupt you if you have more (laughs) to say about it. (laughs) No, um, it was just, it was painful uh, to watch, to be honest. Um, Thinking back now. Um, Back then, I totally didn't understand like that I was doing that um, and that it was wrong and why it was wrong. 
Um, it took me many failed relationships to actually, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, get that right. Uh, mm -hmm. I still struggle sometimes since mm -hmm. it's very, very easy to just let yourself go. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not saying you, you, you shouldn't, uh, you know, make that person, uh, uh, a priority in your life, but mm -hmm. it should, it shouldn't overtake other things that basically she likes you for. Absolutely. That's such a great way of thinking about it. That's such a great way of thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. This was something that I also struggled with in my early relationships mm -hmm. because I love relationships and I love love. And I, you know, I was young and I got so deeply attached to particularly the first person that I was in a long-term relationship with. And yeah, did the same thing, like had very little aside from work and school that was going on in my life outside of the relationship, like spent less time with my friends, yeah. didn't really have a lot of hobbies and interests outside of the things that we did together. Um, and one of the things that I did when, when that relationship ended, which is, I think can be really helpful for people who go through breakups when they've been in a situation like this. And even if they haven't, even if they've just spent less time on the things that they're interested in and the things they love is that I started doing all these things again that I hadn't done in a long time. So like when I was a kid, I played softball. And so I joined mm -hmm. a softball team. And like when I was a kid, I sang. So I joined a choir at school yeah. and like just got back connected to the things that made me me and that mm -hmm. I enjoyed outside of the relationship. That was really helpful for me. But yes, going back to what you were saying, that's such a great way of thinking about it that like, yeah, this person was attracted to me because I do these things and because yeah. I'm interested in these things. And that's part of what sustains desire and interest in a partner, especially in a long-term relationship is yeah. for them to have these ways that they shine in their life. That's outside of the relationship. That's actually a really helpful and healthy thing for relationships. Yeah. And like you said, it is so easy to let go of that and get mm -hmm. so absorbed in the relationship, but yeah. it is really healthy and helpful to have boundaries, to continue to have your own life, your own mm -hmm. things that you do, your own friends, your own relationships with family, all these kinds of things, your own hobbies, your own interests. Um, it's, it's a good thing for the relationship. Mm -mm. And eventually it's really, um, all right. I like the challenge is redefine that sweet, sweet balance, you know, yes. between yes. doing your thing and yes. still, making her feel special right or yes him. yes <laughs> I, I like this idea some people talk about of like there's there's you me and us mm -hmm. and so in a relationship there's the part of there's there's me and there's how i take care of myself and what i do outside of the relationship and there's you and how you do those things for yourself and there's us in the ways that we connect together the things we do together the mm -hmm. things that we share but like having a clear concept of those three entities there's me there's you and there's us yeah oh i like that yeah. i haven't seen it like that before and yeah. like you, you try to avoid these touching each other too much <laughs> yeah, that they can they can each ha have their own little separate domains. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and maybe it, uh, I don't know. It's called, but it's often like things like the things like this are often represented like with two two circles and they're like intersecting. Yes, concentric that, circles. Yeah, uh -huh. and in the middle, that's like that's the us. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, where they overlap. Um, yeah. Another, I think it was a video I saw not too long ago. I don't 
even remember who it was or where I saw mm -hmm. it. Like, I just remember the idea. Mm -hmm. And it was this lady uh, saying um, that she, if she calls her boyfriend or husband or whatever, um, she wants him to, you know, not pick up sometimes. Ah, so, yeah. <laughs> so she can wonder a little bit what uh -huh. he's doing. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> I yeah. was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so interesting. I don't know if you know about um Esther Perel, but she she's a great resource on this topic and this this kind of idea that I've been this me, you, and us, that might come from her too. I'm not remembering okay. if that's was her idea, but she talks a lot about um the importance of maintaining some kind of independence in relationships. And that being a, a, something that contributes to, um, sexual desire in a long-term relationship, mm -hmm. because if we become too merged and enmeshed and there's no distance or separation between us, it's hard to have a lot of desire there. Desire comes from the space between mm -hmm. two people. Mm -hmm. So that's a perfect example of that. Like, Oh, I it's, it's, it's appealing to me or attractive to me to not know every single thing about you. Yeah. It's appealing for me to call you and for you not to answer for me to have to not know what you're doing. You yeah. know, yeah. that's something that increases desire. Mm, nice. <laughs> because I think this is very easily or like very easy to apply in our lives. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it does have such a big impact. Since, yeah. um, well, I say we when I mean to say I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I tend to be as available as possible. Mm. Um, not only to partners, but, you know, to, to, to your friends and family, you know, mm -hmm. um, even like, I don't know, I, I like to, when I get text to reply as soon as I can, you know, just, yeah. oh, okay, let's do it right away. Let's not, let's not let them wait for an hour. You know? uh -huh. <laughs> um but um i need to remind myself to not push it too hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> you yeah, know like, and, i think about yeah. it from finding the balance between like how do i honor my own needs mm -hmm. and also honor others as well so i don't want to i, I have had to practice this because i can be in i can do this myself too okay. like i don't want to shut down my needs in order to be responsive to everybody else so for example mm -hmm. I'll give you like a small example. So like yeah. I used to check my phone and check my texts first thing in the morning when I wake up every day. And yeah. I have friends who live on the East coast who are three hours ahead of me. And so sometimes I'd have 10 texts when I'm waking up, but checking my phone at like seven in the morning. Right. right? And, and that, so, so my day started in response to others versus yeah. having a moment to myself to check in, to ground myself, to get ready for my day, to think mm. about what's important for me to accomplish today. It was like other focused. Right. Yeah. So finding that balance between how do, how do we connect? This is true for all kinds of relationships. How do we connect and show up for other people without not showing up for ourselves? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like treat yourself first in the in the morning, yeah. for example. Like you know, yeah. you know, take your shower, meditate, eat something. Mm -hmm. Then, mm -hmm. there you go. exactly, <laughs> then everyone else's turn is is, mm -hmm. is on. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking of of uh, scenarios um, like hobbies. You know, where when when you should be uh, present and not mm -hmm. checking your phone, mm -hmm. like when you do any sport or when you are at work or. 
um, or no, when you're having, you know, dinner with friends, you know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be, you know, you should be conscious about them and about the situation and mm-hmm. just enjoy it without having to mm-hmm. think about you, your phone or who's texting, calling you. Mm-hmm. That's a great example. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing, just different, yeah. <laughs> different things in yeah. life, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So we had already a few green flags there. Um, mm-hmm. I think there were three. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have some more or do you want to jump? To... Let's jump to let's jump to red flags. All right, all right. Let's, yeah, let's get okay. let's get spicy. <laughs> I know. So I go super serious with these because oh, oh. I have this background of being a therapist, and so my brain goes to like the biggest like oh, yeah. this is very Ooh. scary, worrisome stuff, right? Okay, okay. So any, I mean, sometimes I always feel silly saying this because I feel like it should go without saying, but for mm-hmm. some people it doesn't, so I feel like it's still worth saying. So any kind of indications of of that are warning signs of abuse. So someone trying to control you, who you can talk to and who you can't, who you can be friends with and who you can't, how you dress, what you do, how you spend your time, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Big, big, big red flag in the beginning, especially if you see this from the beginning. And oftentimes that can be misconstrued as this person really cares about me. They want to make sure I'm safe. They're so concerned about me. No, no, no. No bueno. <laughs> don't, don't, don't see it through that lens. See it through the lens of like, this is... So I, I would encourage everyone, especially if they have never been in an abusive relationship before or experienced one or seen a friend be one, I would think it's ever, it's helpful for everyone to just know the signs of abuse yeah. so that you can be aware of them and be looking out for them in relationships because people who are abusive can be extremely manipulative and can do things in a way that's, that makes you feel like you're crazy and you have no idea what's going on. So just being aware of those things from the start, I think helps protect you from getting into situations like that. Mm -hmm. So that's the big, scary, serious one. Yes. That's Um, that's a very big one. (laughs) Let me think of some not so scary and serious ones. So uh, another one, I I, th- I mean, it's some of them are the opposites of the ones that we've talked about. So when somebody's, uh, what they say and what they're doing doesn't line up, that mm-hmm. might be as simple as beyond values. That might be as simple as, um, I'll call you on Friday to see about making plans for Saturday and they don't call you on Friday. That's a red flag. That's someone who's not following through on what they're saying they're going to do. That shows that that person might not be trustworthy. That mm-hmm. shows that that person might not have good intentions. So it's, those are the kinds of things that are easy to let slide when you really like someone and you're really attracted to them and yeah. like, oh, it's no big deal. They just yeah. didn't call me one time. Yeah. They're worth paying attention to, especially if you see that pattern continuing over okay. time. Like unreliability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and. I think that this is something worth pointing out and it's that when, when you first meet someone or yeah, first stages of like first weeks, people behave the best they can. Yes. They're on their <laughs> best behavior possible. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so if they can't make it happen, then yep. it's only going to get worse. That is an excellent point. All yes. Right. 
I think sometimes we think the opposite, like, oh, I'm just getting to know them. And like, once they know me better and they like me more then they're going to act better. And I think the opposite is generally true that like people are really trying to put their best foot forward from the very beginning. And if you're seeing little signs that are warning signs from the beginning, it's probably only going to magnify yeah. over time. Really, really what, what, um, what I struggle with is discerning that that's why these flags exist, but yeah. Um, what is a minute thing that can be ignored and what yes. is a red flag that yes. cannot, I mean, we have, we have said already a few, um, but really in that moment where you think, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating this or, yeah. um, you know, you, you don't want to make a, the deal too big of it. Yes. Um, where, where's that line? So I'm so glad you brought that up because this was something that I was thinking when you first asked about um, red flags okay. is, and I mentioned that they're so individual to each person. Mm -hmm. So I think a, a way, something that's helpful in that discernment process is ideally before you're even dating someone, if you're already dating someone, you can do this process at any time, but it's best if you've not even met someone yet to get really clear on what it is that you must have in a relationship mm -hmm. and the things that you will not tolerate in a relationship. Oh, and so gotcha. if someone is not meeting one of your must haves or they're doing one of your will not tolerates, that's a red flag for you, right? Mm -hmm. It might not be a red flag for someone else because maybe one of those things isn't that important to them. But if it's if it's a must have or a won't tolerate for you, you know that like, no, this is not just something minor. This is actually something important enough that mm -hmm. it could make or break this relationship. Okay. Yeah. Make your own red flag list. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, all, but I guess the same applies to green flags. Make your own green flag list too. Exactly. Yes. What are the things you know you must have in a relationship yeah. and what are the things you know that you will not tolerate? And you can also have a nice to have list too, where, oh, these things would be great. But mm -hmm. if this person doesn't, so, so that's where people sometimes get caught up, I think, in, in looking for the perfect relationship. Like I want all of these things in this relationship. And if any of them are not met, then this is not the right person for me. Okay. And that might be a little extreme. So mm -hmm. I think it's nice to have like a must haves and a nice to haves. And so if you're seeing a red flag that is in the, the, that they might not have one of the nice to haves, then you get to check in with yourself and ask yourself, like, is it, is it, is it a must? Is it necessary for me to have this in this relationship mm -hmm. or is it okay? Can I tolerate that? I'm not, not that I might not have that with this person. Can I get that need, need met elsewhere in other relationships mm -hmm. with my family, with my friends, whatever. Um, so okay. it is individualized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. So, um, so keep, I would say, keep it as short as you can, so it's not too picky in that sense. Yeah. Um, being very mindful and know why they are there. Yes. Yes. Uh, since you know they have very different meanings and they're different um, because these are very gradual things. So they're. Um, yeah. what is for me a green flag is for you a red one sometimes yeah you can't be Could that be. heavy that extreme Could right? Be. yeah and um since we all change over time constantly it's worth giving that list a review every so often as well absolutely yes like how is this relationship fitting what i've said i think that that's a good practice all the time you know i i defined these things for myself early on mm -hmm. can i check back on these things that i've defined for myself as i'm proceeding into this relationship with this yeah. person where does this stand now because what what we tend to do biologically is 
just continue to invest more and more and more in someone if things are going moderately well, Mm -hmm. because it's so painful to sever a relationship with someone and have to start the process over again. But I think people really serve themselves by being honest with themselves and checking in and, and having that moment of reflection of like, is this relationship actually what I said that I wanted, or is there something major here that's missing from my must haves Mm -hmm. or on the list of will not tolerates that I, at first, at least I can try addressing that with this person. If I haven't already, I can let them know, Hey, this is something that's really important to me. Are you able to meet me in this? Um, and then you get to see if they can do that or not. Yeah. Give them a chance, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do something about it. If mm-hmm. if you really you know want want to yeah uh, mm, there were I had an idea in my head it just mm-hmm. it just vanished <laughs> <laughs> no but it it was it was regarding these lists um, no no it's the it really it's it's well it's not I was going to say it's easy to make them but. It's, it's really not that easy to make them mm-hmm. at all, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, but maybe once you can come up with those, mm-hmm. um, I feel like the real challenge is, you know, to apply them. Yes. Yes. Because once you're biased emotionally with that yes. person, that's why yeah. you probably said do it before you get to know someone. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Really to, to, to be, to be strict with them. I feel yeah. like there's where most people fail because we all Agreed. have our list in our minds. Yes. More or less. Yes. Right. Um, we just don't like to apply them sometimes because yes. we are very attractive to this person. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? And it's painful. It's painful to have to let go of someone who you really like and to think about starting over. But I, if we can think about it from the perspective of this is a way that I honor myself, this is a way that I take care of myself yeah. is by being really radically honest about whether or not this relationship fits the things that I've defined as important to me. And that's the important word too that I, I didn't really say when you're thinking about these must haves and you know, will not tolerate. You don't want to do like little arbitrary things that don't really matter to you. Mm -hmm. You want to think about what do I actually value the most? What's actually the most important to me in a relationship? What actually has an impact on my satisfaction in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Whether or not they wear, uh, orange shirts, you know, like that's just a silly example, but like probably not going to have a huge impact on your satisfaction yeah, in your yeah, relationship, yeah. right? Whether or not they're able to talk with you about difficult things, probably going to have a huge impact on your satisfaction in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I think naturally we go to at least like, this was always kind of the message that I heard when I was younger of like, I want a person who looks like this and drives X kind of car and has this kind of job. Maybe yeah. this is an American thing too. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. All least, these like, you know, five foot superficial and, you know, things yeah. that like don't actually really matter. Right. And like, we actually need to take it a level much. Those things matter the least. Like really we want to take it to a more conscious and emotional and psychological level about yeah what's actually going to feel good in a relationship, these material things not going to have any impact on their, I mean, might have some impact on your lifestyle, but beyond that, probably Mm -hmm. pretty minimal. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of why I said, you know, really keep your list as short as you can. And, you know, uh, because it's, I mean, we all have our our preferences, obviously, you know, Mm um, I think, you know, one that pops in my mind is generally for women, they don't like guys that are 
you know, shorter than them. That's yeah. a very popular one. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so it's really up to everyone, you know, if, if, if that really is a deal breaker or not to you. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I was thinking of, of, of silly red flags. Too like uh, it's like oh if he if he doesn't wash his dishes after eating like I can't do this like it's too much. <laughs> I've heard it all. I've heard I it can't all. handle this guy anymore. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. <clears throat> I I hope we we make clear you know what what kind of matters more or what should yeah. matter more what should matter less right. Yes. Mm, I wanted to actually bring up. A concept that I read on your profile, which was intentional dating. Mm. I was like, what is that? Mm. <laughs> yes. So it speaks to a little bit of what we've been talking about so far, which is coming to dating with a knowledge of what it is you're actually looking for. So it's about what kind of relationship am okay. I looking for right now? Like, mm. am I, am I just looking for something casual? Am I looking for something more serious? Um, am I looking to connect with someone deeply emotionally? Am I mm -hmm. looking to connect with someone intellectually? It comes from um, talking, doing what we've talked about here, which is what are, what are the things that are important to me in a relationship? What do I value? What am I looking for? What am I looking for in a relationship? What am I looking for in a partner and how do I want to feel in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Um, and finding things that are as alignment in that as possible. And just trying to be conscious all along the way mm. of what am I doing? How is this feeling? Is this aligned? Is this working for me versus doing what most people do, which is just kind of, am I attracted to this person or not? Do we like to do the same kinds of things? Do we enjoy each other's company and not thinking much more deeply about uh, the level of compatibility and, you know, whether or not you both want the same things right now, mm -hmm. if you want the same things in life, if you're looking for a long-term partner. Um, so just trying to bring a lot more consciousness, mindfulness, intentionality to your approach to dating. Mm -hmm. um, this brings up the question for me, um, because I feel like it would be very easy to listen to us now and say, oh, okay. Um, so when you try to, to, um, get into a relationship, uh, you have to, you know, take care of yourself and you have to think of, um, what your needs are and what you want. It would be very easy to say, oh, sounds a bit selfish. Mm. Um, like I sort of think to know why not why it isn't. Mm -hmm. well, I, mm -hmm. I would love you to explain why it is. Yeah. So I think about it as both people coming to the relationship with that, right? So it's not just about what do I need, but the other person in the relationship also being able to check in with themselves and ask themselves that same question. And mm -hmm. the way that like the synthesis of a relationship between two people is is reciprocal dialogue about that on both people's mm -hmm. sides. So okay. you're thinking about what you want in a relationship. They're thinking about what they want in a relationship. Hopefully they're communicating that to you from the beginning too, so that you also get a sense of, okay, well, does that match what my dream is for a mm -hmm. relationship, what I'm wanting right now? And it's a relationship is naturally going to be a balance of um, what 
what both people want. And ideally those two things are as in alignment as possible. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. That's actually a little bit different from what I thought, but I think Mm. it's another great point. Mm. What were you thinking? uh, So I was thinking it's, it's not selfish behavior because it's um, rather than that, it's, it's a form of self-respect. Mm-hmm. Um, um, of, of, you know, as you say, uh, to protect yourself and mm-hmm. um, really to, you know, how, how you say, like keep your stand, you know, mm-hmm. um, sh- like showing respect for yourself, you know, generally makes the other person respect you too. That's true. Oh, or maybe it's the only reason they, because if you don't, they, they don't have a reason to, or they, they don't right. get to do that as right. easily. Um, so I was going more into that direction, but obviously mm-hmm. it also makes sense that you taking your priority seriously implies that you need to have him or her do that too. Right. And yeah. just because of that second part, you know, it's not selfish anymore. Right, right. But if, I totally agree with yeah. what you're saying too, that like that it's it's it is a way of respecting ourselves and and when we respect ourselves, not only does it cause the other person to respect us, but it it respects the relationship too. Because if we're not respecting ourselves and we're just doing what we think we need to do to be a good partner, or be good in the relationship. Mm-hmm the relationship isn't fully authentic, right? Like we, we benefit the relationship by being our real authentic selves and being truthful and transparent about who we are and what we want Mm -hmm. versus showing up as this kind of like fake version of ourselves to try to keep the peace or keep things working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. And, um, yeah. It's, it's hard to keep these ideas in mind. <laughs> it's just, just, <laughs> it's just, a lot to think like, about. from everywhere. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I want to say that um, it, it, it led me to, to, um, to the idea of we, going way back. Um, we said that we need to communicate properly what we want, right? Mm-hmm. And, or even if someone doesn't do that, you know, you know, communicate, Hey, you know, I, it's very important to me that this is done differently. And, you know, in that way, you're trying to change the other person. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've experienced before that I I've been there, I've been on the side where I want to change the other person mm-hmm. um, to fit my needs. Mm-hmm. And then the the message came back. Oh, um, I thought you um, you loved me who I am, mm-hmm. or you liked mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. Why are you trying to change me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I I I didn't know what to say. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> ah, damn, you got me there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Checkmate right there. Um, well, what would you say that to to that mm. person? What would you say to the person who says, I thought you loved me as you are, as I am, yeah. and you're now you're trying to change me? Yes. Well, 
See, the preventative person in me wants to say like, this is why it's so important to try to communicate these things as early in a relationship as possible Mm -hmm. so that it's clear, like, this is what both of us needs versus accepting, 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 accepting. Mm -hmm. Wait a second. I don't like this about you. That's a really hard thing to hear. But once you're already at that point, what can you say to that person? Well, what were you thinking? What were you feeling in that situation? I, I kind of saw her point. I was like, oh, you're kind of right. I like, I kind of saw yeah. the, the, the truth behind that message. Yeah. And I was wondering, okay, what is more important? Mm. Like, is it more important for her to change it so I feel better? Mm-hmm. Or um, is it something I can overlook? Yes. I'm so glad you said that. So here's the way I think about these kinds of things. I think about it as I'm recognizing that I want something to be different. And, Mm -hmm. and I don't think of it necessarily as changing someone as it is making a request of someone. So let's say, I mean, if you were wanting to change something radical about them, like let's say introversion, extroversion, like for example, my partner is an extrovert. He likes to be around people a lot. I am an introvert. He had the perception of me that I was an extrovert when we first met because I was single and I had friends coming to town and visiting me and we were going out more. And then when I get into a relationship, I'm kind of more, I'm happy to be at home. I don't go out all the time. Mm -hmm. So if my partner were to say to me, like, uh, I need you to be an extrovert in order for this relationship to work. Like, there's no way I'm not going to change who I am as a person. I'm not going to change where I get my energy. Like that's, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. So then it, it becomes his responsibility to decide, can I tolerate that this person is this way? What might be slightly different would be if he said, I really enjoy going out and doing things and being around people. And I would love it if you would be willing to accompany me to more of those things cool. I'm happy to do that. As long as you understand that overall, I'm going to be an introvert. I'm going to be, want to be around people less than you do. Mm. But if you kind of pull me out of my shell and invite me to do things, I'm happy to do things more than would be my absolute 100% preference, because Mm -hmm. that's part of the, um, kind of compromise in being in a relationship with someone. Okay. okay. I see. So it really does depend on on what that thing actually is and I think so how far both are willing to like you know bend in a little yes okay. and also how important that thing is to you so like you said I I think of it as always we're making a request we're seeing what the other person is capable of and then the ultimate question is is if this person is not able to change their behavior in this way that I'm wanting them to can I tolerate that can mm. I accept that about them is that going to work for me in a relationship yeah. and I find oftentimes it's not a deal breaker thing for people. It's Mm. something that they, it would be a nice thing to have in the relationship, but it's not an absolute must. They can get that need met elsewhere. They can meet that need for themselves. Mm. Sometimes it is a deal breaker. Like let's say it's really important for you. I'm just making something random. Let's say it's really using family again, which is funny, but let's say it's (laughs) really important to you that like, (laughs) (laughs) it's really important to you that you, you have dinner with your parents every Sunday. Really important to you, and you really want your partner to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And your partner is like, I am not willing to have part- dinner Ooh. with your parents every Sunday, right? Okay. So then you get to decide: 
can I go and continue to have dinner with my parents without my partner every mm-hmm. Sunday? Mm-hmm. Your partner's cool with that. Your partner's like, go have dinner with your friends, your parents mm-hmm. every Sunday. That's fine with me. I just don't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Or is it important enough to you that you really need a partner who's going to engage in that activity with you? You get to decide that for yourself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a difficult. Um, and well, in that scenario, you can, you maybe you can dig deeper and see why she doesn't want. And also true. Once you know, maybe you can kind of go step by step and try to smooth it out until she also wants. Also true. I guess. Also true. Yeah. Um, it, a no isn't necessarily a concrete no across the board. There might be something that could be done that could alter the situation in a way that might make the person willing to do it. Or it might be a no across the board. They might just say, no, there's nothing that could that you could do to change this. This is not how I want to spend my time on my Sunday. Mm-hmm. They have a right to feel that way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Oh. I, I was thinking of, of small things like uh, being being punctual, for example, mm. or being mm-hmm. uh, being respectful when you are at someone else's place. Mm-hmm. You know, things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, or like self control when it comes to drinking alcohol, mm-hmm. beverages, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that, and. I feel like my filter is sometimes a bit different when it comes to friends rather mm-hmm. to, to potential partners. So true. <laughs> like, I feel like sometimes I'm way harsher on friends. <laughs> mm, <laughs> interesting. Not sure mm-hmm. we were thinking the other way around, but I was actually thinking the other way because okay, that's usually okay. what like on friends, for people, I'm but like, that's interesting. No, do you can't do that. <laughs> interesting. Just, that's so interesting. <laughs> I'll tell them right away. Yeah. And um and they and they love me for it because you know. Um, they, since I tell them straight on, like, yeah. dude, this is a no-go for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they respect me much more and, and I really yeah. like how that works out for me. But for partners, I'm like, dude, I get all loosey-goosey. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> um, hmm. oof. I don't know, I don't know uh, yeah. if we can draw a conclusion from there. but um. Well, the one thing I could give you as a tip is see if you can draw some of that energy that you bring to your relationships with friends into your partnerships too, because I think that that would probably serve you, right? That like the same way that it serves your friendships, I think it will serve your partnerships too. I think often when people are in this spot, it's because like, there's like some fear, maybe scarcity mindset around like, Oh, if I lose this person, I might not find somebody else who likes me kind of a thing. Mm. And I just think it's really helpful to come to relationships from the perspective of it's important for me to be my true authentic self and the right person is going to like me exactly as I am. And if, if I'm sharing something that's true for me or something that's important for me and the person doesn't like that, they're not a good match for me. And it's important to know that sooner than later. Yeah. Um, it comes down to uh, what I say is the most difficult part um, of having your flag list, which is applying it. And, right. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, uh, but what I feel like happens to me is, um, frankly, I'm scared of making the situation just awkward in that moment. Yeah. You know? that's, yeah. that's just a sad truth right there. Yeah. And um, I feel like through practice uh, and through making it wrong a lot. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting there, but I don't know. Um, it's, it's for sure. Or I feel like it's, it's a very long process of getting 
this very, very big matter, which is called relationships, which really is another word for just interhuman interactions. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I don't know, science. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and I don't know, it's so much. It's so much that it's goes complex. into this. We're it touching on, 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 on basically on our emotional and uh, just cognitive way of processing mm-hmm. that and um, really looking out or watching out for us that mm-hmm. that that our self-worth is 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 um preserved in a way mm-hmm. and um but there are so many aspects that go into this as well which is manners and mm-hmm. communication but not that you do it but you know how you do it and you know voice mm-hmm. and um just find the right moment and mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like, mm-hmm. uh, but every everyone has a different um, amount of need for that as well. Mm-hmm. Some some people have very very low need of, for communication. Instead, you know, they compensate it with something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not everyone loves to just talk a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, I'm not sure if this is a stereotype, but general, I feel like generally women tend to speak more than men mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and um and yeah when we speak we speak about us as we can as we uh, <laughs> uh can draw from from your experience with those 12 uh-huh. workers <laughs> um no yeah but uh just 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 um this is just such an endless learning curve Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes it's quite frustrating, um, mm-hmm. especially when I don't know from the very beginning. Like I started with uh, relationships. I am um, like kind of late, I guess, compared mm-hmm. to like what the standard nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, like uh, seventeen, eighteen, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, the first like at least three, four years, super stressed out. Yeah, like lost, <laughs> super lost. Mm-hmm. Um, what helped a lot was actually reading a few books about mm-hmm. this um, that helps a lot also mm-hmm. like reflecting about what you have done wrong in those previous yeah. relationships and kind of draw conclusions out of that and learn from it yeah yeah. Um, something I've never been able to give an answer to that I've been asked quite a few times is how do you not take mm, like Issues from past relationships to new relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been cheated once and mm-hmm. now I'm mm-hmm. always scared to be cheated on. Yes, yes. So it's tricky because there can be a, a trauma element of that. Mm-hmm. And I think when there's like a true trauma element of that, it really needs therapy to address it. And we don't always think of like relational things as being traumas. Sometimes we think of like trauma as being like, you know, serious abuse or a major car accident or something like that. But, um, even something like being cheated on or having just a really painful negative ending of a relationship can Mm -hmm. impact our ability to be in relationships going forward and, and not carry that stuff forward. So if we're finding that we're carrying something forward from past relationships, there's usually a trauma element to it. Um, so the, the, the beginning stages of that is getting clear on what is actually true right now with this person mm-hmm. and separating out 
what is old stuff that I'm bringing with me? That's not, I don't actually have any evidence for that in this relationship, but it's just something that I'm bringing with me. I personally think that like treating trauma takes much more than that, but that's at least like a beginning step that you can take to kind of help separate out what's actually true right here, right now versus Mm. what's old stuff that I'm bringing with me. Okay. Okay. Sounds sounds easier than then. <laughs> it's like, oh, on paper, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's some pretty deep emotional healing that needs to go into that to or in order to really be able to let go of the old stuff and not have it show up in the present. Mm-hmm. Which um potentially can be done without therapy. Is that possible? Can like can we like out of therapy ourselves? I'm sure it's possible. I think therapy is the most effective because especially with this kind of stuff, because when we're wounded in relationships, Mm. it's easiest to heal in relationship and therapy is a relationship. So it has this other kind of impact that's just more effective than trying to do these things on your own. I'm sure Mm. there's workbooks and stuff that you can work through, but it's just, and it's not to say it can't work, but there's nothing as powerful as doing it in therapy. Mm. Okay. I see. I mean, I feel like we, we all are in therapy with our friends, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, you know, uh, you, you tell your friend or your best buddy or whatever, yes. um, you know, what's going on in your life and your problems and um, you try to, you know, solve and have, a, have, a, have another set of eyes look over it. Yes. Um, yes. Why does that not work? So like, mm. why can't they help us? That's a great question. I was going to say that that is at least another relational way of dealing with it. So there's probably things that are even more helpful about that than trying to do it completely on your own. Mm. But, you know, trauma is, is really tricky in the way that it's, um, it's treated. And even a lot of therapists, like when I first got trained, when I first went to grad school, I've learned very little about trauma. And the, really the only way that I became, uh, a therapist who handles trauma well is by doing specialized training in trauma because traditional talk therapy is not the best tool for mm. trauma. Um, okay. I'm trained in EMDR, which is a great modality for people that it's um, EMDR, just the letters, um, stands for eye movement uh, desensitization and reprocessing. It's a really helpful way to work through trauma. There's also, um, what are some other ones. There's, there's like a CBT approach to treating trauma. I prefer EMDR, but some people like the CBT side of things. Mm -hmm. There's a type of therapy called somatic experiencing. That's all about getting into the way your body holds trauma because there's really interesting connection between the brain and the body and how trauma goes. Anyway, I won't get into all of that, but I was um, like, Oh, this is getting (laughs) quite intense. (laughs) Yeah. But, but because it requires specialized training to really know how to help people heal through these kinds of things, it's the kind of thing, like I said, not even every therapist knows. And certainly most people in the general public don't know how to help people with. So okay. I see what you're going. It requires. Yeah. We just, we're just not prepared for that talk. <laughs> and that's okay. It's not, it's not our job. It's not our responsibility. We can outsource that to the professionals. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I can draw from that is it is not easy. Yes. It is not easy to understand it. It's not easy to communicate it, to solve it. Yes. Um, um, not only on the, on the side of the, the advice giver, but also on the mm-hmm. advice taker. Yes. Right. Because I, I, well, I've been on that giver side, I'll, like a lot. 
yeah. like way too many times. <laughs> and and um, I yeah, most of the, and it's not always like it, but most times they don't really want to hear that. Mm, like yeah, it's 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 often a let me speak and you listen. Yes, which is which is okay, I guess. Yes, um, yes. Just for 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 guys, it's really hard to just listen and just yes. not try not to solve the solved. problem. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like damn, I gotta just, just hold on to the table. I can't say anything. <laughs> um, and okay, they just want to you know get get their mind out there, but sometimes they do want it and they just can't. Like they understand what they tell them, yes, but they can't apply it. Like they're like, yes, yeah, but no, you know, yes. they're so emotionally bounded or biased to to that struggle. They, yes, they can't. They can't like see it. Yes, what? Sit, but like it's completely like it's like I, I see both sides. On one side, mm -hmm. I see her or him like the one who's suffering because um the person is is right because they're they are they know the most about it right and so they should be able to evaluate the situation better right and i see the giver since he's or she is a very uh she's much more objective about it mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. that person ain't biased and mm -hmm. they're just gonna tell you the truth that will be visible to most people outside of that relationship. Right. So um, that, which should give that person a lot of credibility too. Right. So it's mm -hmm. like, it's mm -hmm. like this, this, this endless battle. It's like, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the general rule too, is that um, we can't really help people or change people unless they're in the position of wanting to receive that help and change. Yeah. So we might have great ideas for them about what they could do differently, but if they're not coming to us from a place of I'm willing to do something differently about this, we can say anything we want. We could say great things that make tons of sense, but if they're just not in that state of being willing to do something differently, they're just not going to. Oh, all right. I'm curious now because as a therapist, you have to have, clients or patients mm -hmm. that you know were in that mindset they wanted mm -hmm. help but they mm -hmm. didn't really were open to change yet yes how do you get through that or do you say oh, I, can't, I can't help you out mm. like so there's actually a great style of therapy called motivational interviewing that's really good for that and it's looking for it's trying to um kind of move people through the stages of change because there mm -hmm. are different stages i'm not an expert in this i just have a little bit of training in it okay. um but you listen for the parts of the person or the things that the person is saying that show that they're interested in making a change and you reflect those things back to them. So you might say, for example, let's say someone says to me, um, I want to leave this relationship, but I'm, but I'm really scared to. And mm -hmm. in the process of talking about why they want to leave the relationship, they talk about how painful it is to be on the receiving end of this person's, um, 
mean things that they say to the person who's my client. And so, mm-hmm. um, I might say back to them, just reflect back to them what they're telling me. Mm-hmm. Like I hear that there's, there's an aspect of you. There's a part of you that wants to leave this relationship. And there's this other part of you that's really scared. Mm-hmm. And I'm hearing that one of the things that you're really not enjoying about this relationship or what's really hard about it for you is this person saying mean things to you and how that feels for you. So you're just kind of, it's like planting the seeds, like, okay, we talk a little bit here. You're motivated for change here. You're motivated mm. for change here. These are the reasons why you want to go. Also, I don't know that motivational interviewing uh, recommends this, but something that I do because I find it helpful is to be able to acknowledge the resistance or the ambivalence. Because if we pretend that that's not there, it's like hitting your head against a brick wall mm. because you just, you know, you're, you're trying to go with something. You're trying to go against something that's there. So whenever my clients are like, I'm not sure I want to do this, or mm. I'm not sure rather than fighting them on it, I tell them like, I understand like, yeah, there's risk involved in that. There, there might be pain in doing that. Mm -hmm. I understand why you're feeling resistant to it. And also I'm hearing the reason what you want, you might want to make this change is this. Yeah. Okay. So you, you kind of making them hear what they say, right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm going to try that apply that you know <laughs> it's like um, yeah because they are they they say it but they don't they don't they don't know they're saying that like they don't hear right. that yes so they, they it might just pass through them very quickly and simply and so when you say it back to them it might help it land a little bit more like yeah. oh yeah that doesn't feel good to me i mm-hmm. did say that oh yeah you're giving them like an opportunity to think about it a bit more Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's so smart. <laughs> it's actually it's, it's sort of sort of obvious, but like I don't know. Like I don't think I could have come up with that by myself. I felt the same way when I learned about that. Like, oh yeah, that makes sense in practice, but I wouldn't have thought to do that myself. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I uh, I could I could like ask you. 10 more questions but like about <laughs> things that you know i really want to know but okay yeah <laughs> i do have to get going pretty soon here so maybe we can yes, start to sure. wrap up um, okay uh, um, let's um move on to um just touch the last big topic that this podcast mm-hmm. is all about which is creativity mm-hmm. um so i would love to hear from you uh take on what creativity means to you and mm. how it impacts, you know, your work and how you work with your clients. Mm. It's interesting. You know, I'm a very uh, kind of logical and analytical person. And so being on social media has really forced me to tap into my creativity. And now that I'm in the flow of that, it's, mm-hmm. I'm finding I really enjoy it and it really helps me, um, like tapping into it really helps me generate ideas of ways that I can help people both that I use to kind of put into my content. And then as I'm making content, I also, it also kind of informs the work that I do with people because often the stuff that I'm making content on is, um, things that are relevant to my clients too. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, the way that creativity really comes up for me in, in my life is, like generating new things, you know, Mm. like creating something out of nothing or, or putting together, um, 
all of the stuff that I have in my head and uh, presenting it in a way that is helpful to other people and makes sense to other people. So that's the main way that it comes about in my work. Okay. Okay. Um, I always ask this question because I love to hear the different take everyone has on Mm -hmm. this word, Mm -hmm. um, since it does mean different things to different people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really is in the end, what, what kind of well, makes us grow so, mm-hmm. so much, you know, mm-hmm. um, we're getting to an end and I would love, um, to ask if there's anything we might have missed out on, which I doubt, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, something we haven't touched on that might still be interesting or worth mentioning, or maybe. Uh, a brief story about an experience you had with a client that would be worth sharing uh, that mm. illustrates an idea mm-hmm. mm, just to give another piece of advice for, you know, the young people out there. Sure. Well, I just told this story recently, so I'll tell it again because it might be interesting. It's actually mm-hmm. a personal story rather than with a client, but I think it it, it applies to everyone. So there's this idea in um, relationships that comes from John Gottman, who's a researcher on relationships and marriage, about uh, bids for connection in relationships and how important it is for us to be responsive to our partner's bids for connection and for them to be responsive to ours. So bids for connection are anything that we do to try to get attention, affection, or affirmation from our partner. And sometimes they show up as really, um, they don't look like they're a bid for connection. Like it might be something really simple. So for example, Um, you might be sitting on the couch and ask your partner to bring you a glass of water. And it might not even really be so much about getting the glass of water Mm -hmm. as it is asking your partner to kind of pay attention to you, to be Mm -hmm. of service to you, to connect with you in some kind of way. So it's helpful, I think, to be looking out for those kinds of things in relationships. The story that I told recently was that um, I really like TikTok and my partner does not like TikTok. He doesn't have a TikTok account. He doesn't use TikTok. And sometimes I'll find like TikTok videos that I want to show him. Mm -hmm. And because he's not used to the style and pace of TikTok, it's, he's like averse to it. He just really doesn't like It's like stressful to him. So I was showing him a video and the person was talking really fast to try to get through whatever it was they Mm -hmm. were wanting to talk about in the short amount of time that they had for their TikTok. And he like looked at the video and he's like, oh, what is this? Why do they talk so fast? I don't like it. And he just like kind of gave me my phone back. (laughs) And I was hurt in the moment because it wasn't so much about like the actual video as Mm -hmm. it was like, here's something that I liked and found interesting. And I wanted to share this with you. And so because I know about Biz for Connection, I was able to notice right in the moment what Mm -hmm. was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, you know, it's not so much about the video. It's just that I want to share something with you. And it's important when I want to share something with you that you want to receive it, you know, Mm. and there might be times where you can't, or you don't want to, or whatever it might be, but it's important to be able to communicate about that. And as soon as I said that to him, he softened immediately. He's like, Oh, I want to see the video. (laughs) He wanted to connect with me. I was like, it's okay if you don't want to watch the video, but I just wanted to bring this bigger point to light. So it's helpful to be looking out for your partner's bids for connection to notice when you're bidding for connection Mm. and to be able to communicate past, like whatever resistances might be there naturally. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those little touches, you know, of Mm -hmm. of every, every day. Okay. I like that. Bits of connection. Mm -hmm. 
that's that's the keyword there. Mm. <laughs> All right, so I think I think we're good. Before we uh, end this, I, I want to give you the opportunity to share with the audience um, where they can find you, where they can check out your work, get mm-hmm. in touch, and maybe reach out to you if they feel. Yeah. So the best way to find lots and lots of free content for me is on Instagram at coaching with Carrie Ann. Mm-hmm. And there on my profile, there is also a link to my website, which is coaching with All the information that you would need about working with me is there. If you have any questions, you can always reach out to me via DM. If you want to know more about working with me, happy to communicate with folks that way. Um, yeah, that's where, that's where all my stuff is. Okay, great. Obviously all those links will be available on our old posts and on this episode description as well. So you can easily find it there. Gary, thank you so much for being here and spending some time with me since we all are busy and, um, it's always, uh, great to make this happen. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lovely conversation and I appreciate your thoughtful questions. Right. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, took a lot of valuable lessons from it, which I sure you all did. Uh, since there was a ton, a ton that was discussed here today. Um, very great conversation. Very happy. This was Karen Long from the States. I'm Lucas, and this was a creative cast.